Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. How's the church today? We didn't go to church. We are the church, right? We are here to uh, be the church and to gather together, worship Jesus. And uh, I just want to come this morning... Just extremely grateful. I, a lot of times, oh, first of all, if you're new today, I'm Pastor Randall. Welcome. Thank you for coming. If you're watching online with us or worshiping with us for the first time, thank you for worshiping with us. I'm Pastor Randall. We'd love to have you come and worship with us in per- person one day. So, um, yeah, getting back to it. I get up in the mornings, and a lot of times, um, not always, and it makes a difference in my day when I do this or not, I will get up and um, some days to start to write down the things I'm thankful for. And this morning I got up and I started writing down, I'm so thankful, dot, 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 for my church. And I began listening, listening, listing out, like, I'm so grateful that I was able to go to a church for, um, and serve as a church, as, as the pastor, at a place that my kids loved to go to and have gone through and it's impacted their life. Because as a pastor, you're like, I don't want to ever go serve a church that my kids hate and don't want to go to church, right? And so, I mean, God blessed us with that. I'm blessed that I could come to a church and, <clears throat> and be able to preach and teach the gospel and preach the truth without being run out of town, right? I'm grateful that I can come and have a great group of elders and leaders, staff members, worship team, and great friends in our community. And then I said, how many, how, I've been here 18, how many Sundays have been here? Not, this is my 916th Sunday of getting up and doing this here at Lanier Hills. So I feel very, very, very blessed to do that. And I just went through the list. And by me, I had like a paragraph long. And then I realized, I'm living my dream. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to pastor a great church and a great community that my family loved. And, and one of our desires that Dana and I had when we came, went into ministry said we want to invest our life in a community for a long time and not be, just be jumping around. And God has given us this incredible blessing to be able to do this. So here we are today, and I am blessed to do it. And thank you for letting me serve as your pastor and uh, get to do this today. So um, with that, I have a question for you. I want you to think of this. What comes to mind, what words come to mind when I ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? What words come to your mind? Yell them back to me. What word? Saved. Saved. What other ones? Salt and light. That's good. Good stuff. Praise. Grace. Grace. Yep, grace. That's a good one. Disciple. Faith, like Christ, other, any other words? Love, good one, those are all good. Okay, we could probably go on and list a lot of other words. These are really good words, you know. Um, but what, uh, I'm surprised no one said this because you wouldn't say this out loud, but when we talk to people about being a Christian, we often ask them, where do you go to church? Right? We think church attendance. That's a Christian. That's like, and a lot of people, you might not say that, but we really do. We're like church attendance. And, and for, for a lot of people, and we may not think that or say this, but for a, a lot of people and in church today, it's like this. The greatest thing you can do as a Christian is be a good moral church attender. Right? You're like, what's after that? 
There's got to be more than just going to church and, and, and you know, and if, if, listen, if you're really regular, you're a faithful moral church attender, right? You're like really good at it. You go a lot and maybe you get plugged in and you serve there, whatever, but you kind of like the greatest thing is like, I attend the church and, but listen, church, there has to be more than just being a faithful moral church attender. Do you agree with that? I mean, you're, some of you are like, well, I thought that is all there is. Well, maybe that is all you think. We're going to see today that there is more than just being a moral a church tender. Now, listen, all those things are good. God wants you to be, you know, to, have, to follow him, to be a good person. He wants you to, to attend worship. He wants you to do those things. Those are all it. But listen, you can be good and attend church and still not be a Christ follower. Do you know that? Matter of fact, you can believe in Jesus and not be a, more, a, 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 a Christ follower the scripture tells us the demons believe. And what? They shudder. <laughs> They're scared. So there's more. There's more to the story than just being a good moral church tender. Now, before I jump into the service today, I want to say this. Some Sundays I come and I preach and the message is, is very evangelical. It means this. I'm inviting people who don't know Jesus to, to know him and follow him. Then other Sundays it's very directed to the church. Like, what it means to be a Christ follower. And this one's very directed to you. Now, unbelievers, you can look in and you can see and like, okay, this is what they believe and why they do this. But I'm talking to you, church, today. Okay, I'm talking to you who believe in Jesus, who've put your faith in Jesus. I want you to understand like this under the idea that there's more. There's more to than just being a believer in Jesus and going to church. And we're going to see what that is. Now, it may challenge you. It may make you uncomfortable. All of those things. And I hope it does. I hope it does, right? I hope it does because we don't always need to hear like what we want to hear. We need to hear what we need to hear. Anybody agree with that? And I hope you'll be open ears today, church, and learn and grow and be different and be changed because of what God speaks to us from his word today, okay? So let's go first, let's go to prayer and let's ask God to do that in our hearts. Would you pray with me? First of all, Lord, thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to do this again the opportunity to stand in this amazing church and these, these amazing people and this amazing community and be able to uh, proclaim the truth and to make a difference. Lord, we pray and invite you, Holy Spirit, you to come and do the work that you want to do in our lives today with, through your word. Holy Spirit, come alive in us. Give us ears to hear what we need to hear, eyes to see what we need to see, a mind to understand, and a heart that can be changed and walks out of here different. Challenge us, change us, transform us so that we are more than just good church attenders. Lord, would you do that in our hearts today? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible, turn to me with me to the book of John, John 4. If you don't have one, you can scan the little QR code on the back of the seats there, and it'll take you today's path to the, to the Scriptures today. And there's sermon notes, and there's a lot there today that you can follow along on, on the, on the uh, sermon notes. But we're going to be in John 4 again. So last week, we talked about the woman at the well. We talked about the Samaritan woman. We're going to talk about her again today, but we're going to take the story a little further. What happened next is what we're going to talk about, the more you know, she put her faith. We're going to talk about what happened more, the next thing. And it's a good example for us to see what God's will is for us as Christ followers to follow him. So let me give you the background. If you weren't here last week and you missed it or you've never heard the story, in this story, Jesus and his disciples are going to a certain area and they cut through an area uh, where they 
Jews usually didn't go because Samaritans lived there, and Samaritans and Jews didn't like each other. The Samaritans were half-breeds, and, they, and the Jews were very proud, and the Samaritans were angry because they didn't like them, so they didn't talk to each other. But Jesus is cutting through this area. They're going through in the middle of the day. It's super hot, and they get to a well, and it's about, about lunchtime, and they sit down, and Jesus says, guys, go get some food. And he's going to stay there at the well because he's got an appointment. He, they don't know it. And this woman doesn't know it, but he's got a divine appointment with a woman. And so she shows up, this woman shows up, and she goes in the middle of the day when no one ever goes to do work. By the way, if you've been cutting your grass and doing the lawn and for the last three days in the middle of the day, you're just crazy, right? Because this is what it was like. It was like hot, right, and humid, and they're like, nobody goes out during the middle of the day. And Jesus is parched, and you just imagine, like, outside today. So Jesus sits down, with, and the woman sits down, and she says, he says, can you give me some water? And the woman says, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. You don't talk, we don't talk to each other. And plus, she was a woman. You didn't even, they didn't even look at each other in the eyes. Guys didn't look at women in the eyes, you know, because all of that crazy stuff. But anyway, they, he says, why are, you talk, why are you talking to me, she says. And he says, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for the water, the real water, the living water. And she says, you don't even have anything to draw with. You're crazy. You know, what are you talking about? And he says, the water I give you, if you were to ask me, it's water that you would never thirst again. She's like, give me some of that water. He says, well, go get your husband. And she says, what? I'm not married. And he says, what does Jesus say? You're right. And then what? Anybody know? You have five. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with now you're not even married to, right? And so he says that to her. And obviously, I mean, somebody says that to her. She's like, how do you know that? And she says, I can see you're a prophet. You know things about me and you're, you're a prophet. How do you know this? And then they start having a conversation. She says, I know that you Jews don't worship in this place and we, we need to worship here. And they get in this conversation about where did you worship and all that. And Jesus says, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship and how you worship. And they talk about that. And then she says, she, so she moved from seeing this guy as a Jew to a prophet. And then she says, I know somebody's, the guy's going to come. We've been looking forward to this man who's coming, the Messiah. And she's like basically saying, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, I am the Messiah. He reveals himself. I am the one that you've been praying for, that people, generations have been looking for. And when she hears that, we learned this last week, what does she do? She drops her jar, her, her bucket, and runs. And she let, we learned last week that that bucket represents all the things in our life that we go to to try to satisfy. She was there to satisfy her thirst. Jesus points to a deeper thirst that she keeps looking for in these relationships. And that bucket, she leaving it at the foot of Jesus reminds her, you're not gonna, reminds us all to leave that bucket, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're looking for, to find satisfaction in. If you wanna find the water that Jesus offers, you gotta leave your buckets behind. Leave it at his feet. Now she leaves it, and what happens next? This is the more of the story we want to talk about. So come to John 4 and verse 28. It says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people. Now remember, these are the people that have outcast her, that know who she is. She says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And they're probably like, Everything? You know? 
All this stuff? Could this be the Messiah? In verse 39, skip down there, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more people became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So let's stop right there. So what's the more? She drops her bucket. She runs into town, tells everybody, come and meet this man. He told me everything I did. She was not afraid to say, you know, like, these are people who cast her out. She actually went to the well in the middle of the day because she's an outcast. But she goes in, here's a guy who knows everything about me. Could he be the Messiah? Something changed in her. See, if we look at her as a model of what it means to be a Christ follower, here's what we see. First of all, every one of us started here. We all started with disbelief, right? She did, she's just a man. Then she, when she heard the truth, she moved from prophet, right, into belief. She moved from prophet to belief. She's like, you're the Messiah, so this is what happens in many believers, church people. You go, we, go, we go from disbelief and we move to belief. And what happens next with her? It says, when she believed, she had joined a church and became a faithful church attender. Is that what it says? That what, it, what did she do, church? What did she do? She went and told people. She could not keep it to herself. So she doubted, then she believed, and then she shared. Let's say it together. She what? She shared what she had. Listen, God's desire is that every single one of us to become Christ followers is not to just hear and believe, it is also to go and share, to tell the good news that we have heard, that we have tasted. See, God desires that we all become sharers of the gospel, to tell others about it. See, this, this woman understood this, that when we get this understanding, when we get this good news, it's too good not to just hold on to ourselves. We need to get this, that the gospel is not just good news to be kept, but good news to be shared. It's good news to be shared. Now, how many of you, isn't it cool, like in all of a sudden in Gainesville, we've had like in the last year, all of a sudden, all these really great restaurants. We went from being the, like the uh, fast food capital of the world now to like, we have real restaurants, right? Anybody y'all been down to them? You've been to some good ones? What do you do when you eat someplace good? You're like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this place. Anybody ever do that? Maybe you do. You don't want anybody to crowd it out. I know what I do. I, I like post a picture of my food online. Like, check this out. Yeah, you know, make everybody else jealous of what I'm eating. Check out this ice cream. <laughs> check out this stuff. You know, and then I share it and I'll tag the place because I want other people to go and enjoy this food, right? Anybody else kind of do that? Anybody else go tell a friend, like, you need to go check out this great new Mexican restaurant. You need to go check this place out. We do it because we, what we love and enjoy, we talk about and we share. And this woman in the spiritual realm, her thirst had been quenched. And she's like, this is good. And what does she do? She runs back to town and she goes and tells everybody, look what I have found, man. This is good. He told me everything I did. And we know there's more to the story, Right? Because she could have been like, this weirdo told me everything I did. You guys stay away from that creep. She could have been like that, right? But something transformed. She's like, this is the Messiah. And she says, could he be the Messiah? So they go back and 
and they hear the gospel, and I love the story, it says this, that when they get there and they meet Jesus, what do they do? They say, will you stay two more days? Will you stay at least two more days? Will you talk with us? Tell us the things you know. And he taught them and he poured into them. People he was not supposed to be talking to, but they heard and they, it says many more came and they say, they go back to the woman and said, yeah, I want you to know this. We believe, and not now just because of your testimony, but we have tasted it ourselves. It's good. This is good stuff. So they're transformed. Now listen, the gospel is good news that we're not supposed to keep to ourselves. We learned last week that that woman at the well, she had a universal thirst that every single one of us have. That God has universal love, that he loves people, right, in a general way, that he sent his son to die for them, and everyone has a universal thirst. We, we thirst for something spiritual. We know there's something outside of us that we're meant for. And every person, every on the planet, when they're born, or as they grow up, they seek stuff. And every tribe and every nation, every culture has a spiritual like, gra- like desire. And we see that. We see this in her. She's thirsting for something, and, and she's trying to find it in men. And Jesus says, I can satisfy that in your spirit. But everybody also has a spiritual like, um, desire t- for meaning and purpose. And we have a spiritual thirst for healing in our soul. She tasted all of that, and she said, I can't keep this to myself. This is good. This quenches me. And she went, and she told her friends, and she told those who made fun of her and kicked her out and all of those things, and she told them, and they came. See, she's a model of what we all should be. And I believe it's God's desire that, like her, we do these three things. We, first of all, we embrace, and then we embody, and we echo the gospel. We embrace it. So she embraced it for herself. She, she said, it isn't just for other people. This is for me. And she believed it. And that's where we talk about, listen, every person who starts a relationship with God, it starts with belief. Belief isn't enough, though. We must detect second thing. We must embody it. That's where we do this. We internalize the teachings of Jesus. We accept it for ourselves. And there's a lot in the church today and a lot in churches and in our culture that will tell you this, that uh, belief is enough. You don't actually have to live out what Jesus says. And they'll teach you, you know what? If you don't like something that Jesus says or the Scripture says, uh, you don't have to change. You just change the Scripture. But I want you to understand to embody the gospel is to actually let it transform you. It's a good place for amen. Because we have a culture today that says, embody it? No. We let it transform. It changed this woman, right? She goes back. She becomes, you know, the sharer. And the third thing, after we embrace it and we embody it, we move from that to echoing. You ever been to like a cool canyon or in a room or something, and you're like, hey, and you, hey, hey. It's the same voice. It's just a little less, right? That's what sharing the gospel is, is to say, what you have experienced, how God has poured into you, the love and the presence that he's given you, and you share that and you just continue echoing it in your community, in your home, wherever you are. It's to echo it, to demonstrate this love. And what we need to do, get, do, church, is get back to a place where we are like this woman 
who had a deep love for God and a deep and, and she just echoed constantly what she heard from God and it poured out and changed people's lives. So here's what she had, and here's what we need, church, two, these two things. We need a deep love for God that causes us to want to go and share with other people. She experienced that love at that moment, at that well. She's like, who is this man talking to me? She felt his presence, and it changed her. And here's what I know. When we deeply love God, it just oozes out of us because we love to talk about, you know, what we, what we love. We need a deep love for God and our community that moves us. So here's what we can do. Fall deeper in love. If we want to be more like this woman and echo it, we can fall deeper in love with God through his word and worship. The church I served at years ago before I came here, I had a great pastor, and, you know, and, and in churches, they always talk about how do we grow the church, and they're like, we need to have a, we need to have a, like, a, a push to get more people, we need to do all these things, and he had this, this motto, and I thought it was so good, he says, when people fall in love with Jesus, they can't help but talk about him and invite their neighbors. The more we love Jesus, and so that's why on Sundays, a lot of time I get up here, I want to talk about Jesus. I want you to understand the depth of how much he loves you, because when you grasp the depth of God's love, you're like, let me tell somebody else about it. This is good. We just fall deeper in love with God through his word and worship, because what we love the most, we talk about the most. You love your kids, you talk about them. You love your work, you talk about it. You love Jesus, you talk about him. The more you spend time in his word, the more you worship him, the more you want to talk about him. The second thing, though, this is important. If we want to echo the gospel and share it like this woman did, we must fall, we must cultivate a deep love for people by seeing them as Jesus sees them. Look at this last statement. It's up on here. Some of you need to get this. Unbelievers aren't your enemy. Get this. We live in a culture today, and in my 50 years, we've seen more divided between us and them. Anybody agree with that? There's us and there's them. There's this group and that group. There's these that believe this and those that don't believe that. And if you there's no in-between, you're like, oh, left, or you're all right, or whatever it is. And anybody on the other side, they're your enemy. And the church, listen. You've bought into this. And you know why? Because you can't get off the talk radio and the news. Thumbs up. And you're like, well, I need to be informed. Listen, you know what you need to do? You need to fall in love with Jesus and love people. And if you are constantly being bombarded by this, they want you to be divided. They want them to be the enemy so you're on their team and they make more money. Listen, at the end of the day, that person who doesn't believe like you and doesn't think like you, doesn't vote like you, doesn't dress like you, they are not your enemy. Ephesians tells us this. We do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. Those people are not your enemy. Satan is your enemy, and those people are under captivity of the, of the enemy. You know what they need you to do? See them as Jesus loves them. When we begin to see people like Jesus loves them, then we start caring and sharing. What if Jesus had gone to that well and like, oh, there's a Samaritan woman. We don't like them. Fox News told me I don't like those people. 
CNN told me those are the enemy. That talk radio show, man, he's got it. He said, like, we, you know what they're thinking? You know what they're doing? They're trying, you know. No, Jesus went and said, I see a woman who's thirsty for something to satisfy her soul. Can I tell you, church, we have to see people that way. They're not your enemy. This past week, as I was studying and preparing this, and God just kind of revealed this to me, and I've known it, but he just stuck this in my head. Those people aren't your enemy, Randall. And as I, in the last few days, as I've gone out, whether to the gym or to out to restaurants, and I see people who obviously are different, I started to think, I started having this quote in my mind, they're not my enemy. They're not my enemy, and they need Jesus. Church, what if we began to think like that? What if we really began to see people that way? And instead of seeing them as an enemy, we said, we're here to sit. <laughs> we're like this woman. We've come to share the good news. What would happen in the church? Listen, what would happen if we, if we did this? What kind of, how, the generations, the change, the families, it would change. You know what's wrong with our culture? You know what's wrong with the culture? A church that has stopped caring about the lost world. That's another amen right there. A church that has become more concerned about things of this world and politics than we have a person's soul. How do we love people like that? How can we get there? You know, we need, we need to ask God for this. Lord, would you help me fall deeper in love with you? Or would you help me to see people like you see people? We need that, church. I need that. So how can we get there? We ask God for it. We start looking for the eyes, eyes like that. So what do we do then? Once we kind of get that love for him, how do we, how do we get, like, what do we do next? Because you're probably like, okay, I want to do that, but I don't even know where to start. How do, how do I go and share the gospel? I want to take the third thing here, and it's this, is when we embrace the practical steps of evangelism. Let me give you some practical things you can do. You're like, okay, I care. I want to do something. Now, what can I do? Here's the next, here's the first thing. We engage people where they are. Where did Jesus go? To the well. He didn't set up a, a tent and say, hey, y'all come down here to the tent. <laughs> he didn't set up a building. Y'all come down here. Where'd he go? He went where people are. We engage people right where they are and where are lost people, usually not in church. And they're out there, they're in your workplace, they're in your school, they're in your, where, where, where you play, where you go eat, where you hang out, they're at the bar. You go engage people where they are. They're at the gym. So for the last few years, uh, when my kids were little and they were played sports, and you know, they've all grown up and they've all played every sport you can imagine. And it costs a lot of money, hey Ben? <laughs> especially travel ball and all the stuff and all the things they did. But one thing I tried to do, I, every team they were on, if it wasn't a school team, I tried to coach that team because then I got to know every parent and every kid because I wasn't there just to coach my kids. I was there to be salt and light, as you said, Jerry. To be salt and light in that community and, and those schools and those kids and saw so many kids that have been imp- were impacted and adults 
And now they're all grown up, and I'm like, what do I do now? So you know what I did? I joined the gym, and now I coach a biking class, a cycling class at the gym, so now they have to talk to the coach. <laughs> so because it's my fishing hole, I want to go where people are. That's my well. I want to go and, and engage with people. But, but listen, church, what are you doing? What are you, how intentional are you about getting around and going where lost people are? We're going to pray at the end of the service for a, a group of teenagers who are headed to uh, Florida to go and serve and which is awesome. We need to be going doing that. We have people leaving, Caesar's leaving for Puerto Rico this week to go on a mission trip. We have people going doing it, but you know what? We, we are to go to the edges of the earth, but you know where you start? At home, at work, where you are. Start where you are. The second thing is this. <clears throat> we are to cultivate a deep love for people by seeing, oh, I've already said that. Where are we at? Use your story. The next thing we do is we use your story, your personal stories of how you've encountered God. Let's start with the story. You know what the woman didn't do? She, she didn't hide her story. She actually went and said, let me tell you the guy who told me everything I did. And a lot of us, we think we have to hide our story and our past before God to use us. No, you share. You, that's part of your story like, because that connects with people. I met with Jason and Katie this past week. They're sharing their story. They're going to be starting, Lord willing, with a group of people that want to, from our church who want to start an addiction recovery group or groups for our, for our people in our community. They're not hiding from that. They're saying, this is who we were, but thank God he redeemed us. That's you share your story and let God use that. What's your story? How are you hiding it instead of letting God use it? Second, or third thing, get over your past just like they've had to do, like she had to do. She didn't go and say, I can't go talk to those people. I've got too much junk in my life. No, she let that be part of her story. She got over that and let God use her. Other thing, be open and honest. You know what people think? They think that we as Christians, we think we, think we got it all figured out and we act like we got it all figured out. But that doesn't resonate with people. You know what? Your perfection or image of perfection doesn't resonate with people. You know what resonates with people? Authenticity. When they see you saying, you know what, my marriage went through a rough time, but let me tell you how Jesus redeemed that. I dealt with this. I dealt with depression. I dealt with this thing. My kids are hellions too. Let me tell you how God has redeemed that. When you're open and honest about your struggles, that impacts and connects with people. And here's something you need to do as well. You know Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he told them to do this. I want you to go and I want you to look for a person of peace. A person of peace is is they would go into a town, and he said, if you go in a town, you're talking to people, people shut your door, move on. Move on to the next one. But if someone invites you in, and they want to have spiritual conversation, that's a person of peace. And in our life, as we're having conversations with people, there will be people who shut the door, but there will be people who say, let's talk more. You know what that is? It's a person of peace who's open to spiritual conversations. And that's them searching. That's the woman at the well having a conversation, and Jesus is, and guides us. He says, would that person you engage. This past week, I, I intentionally called some people that I know and said, let's go to dinner. And I intentionally was thinking about, I want to start a uh, discovery Bible study with these people. I want to start seeing how I can get in the scripture with them because they need it. And uh, they're not in church or anything. And so we went to dinner downtown on the square and had a dinner, and we about an hour into our conversations, we started talking about, they might even brought it up, like a Bible study, or like, what do you do, and how do you all read your Bible, whatever. And we, Dana and I started talking about it. We explained what we do, and we had this conversation, and they were like, well, you do that with us? I'm like, yeah. 
That's it. That's a person of peace. Now, if they had shown no engagement and they're like, yeah, that sounds cool for you guys, I'm like, okay, I'll go to the next person. Who are the person, people of peace in your life? You're looking for them constantly. And then when you find the person of peace, here's what you do. You invite people to experience Jesus. That's what this woman did. She said, you guys need to come and see this man, right? She said, come and see the man who told me everything I did. You come and see. Come in and see what Jesus is like. You invite people to a church. You invite people to a small group. Maybe it's inviting people over dinner and saying, hey, let's just take a scripture and let's talk about it. And we'd love to tell you how to do that, church. But inviting people to experience Jesus. Why don't we do this? Church, what keeps us from doing these things? We, we know it's going to change lives. It can change generations. Why don't we do it? Maybe your fear, you have a fear of rejection. You're afraid what people are going to think. Maybe you think you'll be persecuted to cut off from your job or something. Or maybe you have a, a fear, you don't feel adequate enough. You're like, I'm not strong. I don't know enough. I can't share enough. You know what? That didn't stop this woman. You know what she didn't do? She didn't say, let me go and go to a Bible study for the next six years to learn enough. I need to go to a church service for five more years before I can go tell. She immediately went and shared what God did in her life. Or maybe you, like many others, have, you have this belief in relativism. It's this. That you think those who die without putting their faith in Jesus, they're going to be in heaven anyway. And there's a lot of people who believe that. And they're like, oh, they're going to be. God is so good and he's so loving. He's so kind. He's gracious. My, my grandmother, she's never been to church. She doesn't believe in Jesus, but she's so sweet. Surely God's going to let her in heaven. See, that's, that's relativism. You think that God's just going to do it. That's not what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We get to share it. We get to be the one inviting people in. What's God's will for your life, church follower, Christ follower? It's not to be just a good moral church tender. It's to be an echoer, a sharer of this incredible gift that God's given us. So let's not just hear that today. Let's not just hear it and say, oh, and move on. But let's understand this important and incredible thing God has given us. That as we are in our thirst, not just for spirituality, but in our thirst for meaning, that God has a purpose and a meaning for your life. And there are generations that will be impacted. Are you a good church attender? Are you a sharer of the good news? Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. The church, we want to be like this woman. I don't think anybody here who believes in Jesus wants to keep quiet. We all want to be sharers, but Lord, we have our rejections. We have our fears. We have our doubts. We have our, our, even our false beliefs that everybody's going to be in heaven. But Lord, would you remind us today the importance and the urgency like this woman had. She immediately went and told her friends. Would you remind us of the urgency of sharing this good news? Would you remind us of the change it can make in people's lives? 
So here's what we pray, Lord. Would you give us a deeper love for you? That just the love for you oozes out and in our conversations and it drives us, it compels us to talk about what we love. Would you ask the Lord right now, Lord, give me a deep love for you. It causes me to talk about you with others. Now ask the Lord for this. Lord, would you cultivate in me a deep love for people that allows me to see them as you see them? Use me, Lord, in their life to set captives free. And Lord, would you help me to embrace, ask the Lord, would you help me to embrace just practically sharing? And, and ask the Lord for this. Lord, would you start to show me this week a person of peace that I can have spiritual conversations with who needs you? church, what are you going to do with this today? You're going to take it. You're going to do something with it. I hope you do. Let's not just be hearers, but doers of the word. God has redeemed us. Let's go and share with the world. But maybe you're here today and you, as a believer in Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you are one of the outsiders looking in at these Christians and you're wondering what we do, why we do what we do. We do it because we are convinced that God loves us and sent his son for us. And we want to tell the world that this is the best thing ever. And maybe today you need to be like this woman and embrace for yourself the truth of who Jesus was and let it transform you because you're searching for something to fill the thirst in your soul. Right now, where you're at, would you just do this? Would you just, if you want to embrace it, say, Jesus, I believe you came and died for my sins. You died on the cross for me. Would you forgive me? Now, I want to follow you. I want to embrace this truth. I want to embody it in my life and live it out. And I want to be an echoer of this truth, this goodness. If you just prayed that, congratulations. Like this woman, you are changed for eternity. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder of this woman. Lord, use this today to change our love and our heart and our attitude towards you and others. It's in Jesus' name we pray.